Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's episode of The Middle, where your hosts Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. In today's episode, we're talking all things social etiquette, from sliding into DMs to entitled energy. We reckon a read to get your hormones racing and our new fave way to move. Then I have a nice little whinge catering to my Mercury in Virgo. We wrap it up with a celebrity natal chart taking us back to the 90s. Oh, I can't wait to see who that is. I'm so excited, but I'm not going to give you any clues. I've got a few ideas of who it might be, but I'm not going to say anything. Don't say a word, Joy. <laughs> so today's topic, we're talking about social etiquette, but initially it was going to be social media etiquette. And then we realized that etiquette applies in real life too. It absolutely applies in real life. I think I think with social media, it gets dropped a lot because you're not in front of the person. Totally. And there's this idea of, and this is where trolling comes from, right? There's like this confidence or, or lack of awareness that mm. comes from being behind a screen, like normal etiquette does not apply. So true. But it absolutely applies. How do we learn etiquette growing up? Is it based on what our family and parents teach us? I don't think it's something that's outwardly taught. I think it's led by example, right? Yeah, absolutely. So my mum has really good social etiquette. Yes. Um, and I think I probably learnt that through her. Mm. Um, but... I think it's something, yeah, I think it's something you just pick up on experience and also you're like, oh, I don't like the way that person just behaved with me. I'm not going to do that again. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Totally. It's mirroring. I'm not going to do that to another person because when that was done to me, it felt shit. Absolutely. I looked up the definition of etiquette because I think etiquette differs a lot from manners. Mm. And the definition um, on the dictionary on the computer says the customary code of polite behavior in society or among members of a particular profession or group. I love this concept of politeness, George, because I feel that we have lost it a lot. And examples that I, I witness, uh, especially if someone's in an industry or working in a position where they're serving you. So a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant or someone working at a bar or a cleaner, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat people serving you and not. Mm. My dad has always taught me growing up, like always be just as friendly and lovely to the person cleaning up after you as you are to the person who's CEO of a company that you admire you know what I mean absolutely I absolutely do I remember this one experience I don't know if I've told it on the potty before but where I was dating this guy we'd probably been on four or five dates I really liked him we went to this really fancy restaurant in Sydney and he was so rude to the staff Mm. he'd had a bad day at work but there was just no excuse for it and I could not see him in a in any other light after that. That was it for me. Absolutely. You are how you treat people. And I think that we're losing that. I don't know what it is. I I feel like there's almost this sense of entitlement that's filtering in. And I'm I'm obviously seeing it a lot on social because that's where I spent more of my time than in the real world. Not really. But there's this sense of entitlement in people where 
we're used to hyper availability. We want something and so we ask for it and we're used to getting it. And when it doesn't go our way, we get the shits. Yeah. And I don't think it's always been that way, but it's been hyper obvious in the last couple of years for me at least. Absolutely. What are some of the ways in the real world that you feel like etiquette gets compromised sometimes? Uh, timeliness, people being late. Oh, Holly and I are notoriously early people. Even when we try and be on time, we're early. So anyone who's late, we actually can't wrap our head around the concept. Or if I end up late, like the shoot this week, I left two hours to get to somewhere that usually would take one hour and there were all these detours because of the flood. And as soon as I knew, which was like an hour and a half out from the time I needed to be there, but I knew I'd probably be about 10 minutes late I called and I let that person know and I was so apologetic when I arrived late. I just don't un- – I really cannot understand how people can see that there's a time to start an event or a call time for work or even when I worked in corporate, when people would walk in five minutes past nine, it's like, why aren't you there at quarter tonight? And also on that note, it's funny because I – like I said, I'm like you. Like if I'm going to be one, two, three minutes late, they will get a text or a phone call to let them know. I was dating this guy last year who um, always rocked up like unreasonably early which was also rude Mm -hmm. because I was like, no, no, we've set a time and I'm trying to time my preparation for meeting time. You can't just rock up 45 minutes early. Absolutely not. If you were there 45 (laughs) minutes early, which we've all done, you wait in the car, you meditate. That's literally what I'm doing. The next shoot I went to, I was two hours early. I sat in the car and I meditated and I got Or you send a text or a phone call and say, hey, look, I'm early. Should I drive around for a bit? Can I come in? But you just don't turn up. No, it's basic etiquette, friends. <laughs> it's just the basic rules of feminism. Um, that was a Mean Girls quote. Trent is notoriously late. Is he? And I wonder if it's a star sign thing, George. I find earth signs are always late. I'd love to know what the listeners think. Yeah, except Capricorns. Capricorns have a thing with time. I haven't noticed Maybe that. Maybe it's because they've got a make bank. <laughs> I haven't noticed that with any of my Capricorn friends. Really? They're all late all the really? time. Yeah. Do you know what my old boss used to tell me? He used to say, uh, every minute you keep somebody waiting is one bad thing they think about you. Oh. Yeah. And it's like. It's very okay. negative. He's clearly, well, look, <laughs> he's clearly a stickler for time. But I have that in my head now. It's like, oh, God, I've left them five minutes late. That's five things that they've I don't mind me. if someone's going to be late as long as there's communication about it. Yeah. Do you know what? This is what it comes down to, I think, a lot of the time with social etiquette is communication. So another challenging piece that I find with social etiquette is being introduced to somebody like have you ever gone out with a person and then their friend who you've never met before starts talking and there's no introduction to that person so you're just sitting there in the wings like a do I introduce myself or do I just let you guys have this private conversation and stand there you know yeah it's hard that there are those times though where someone comes up and starts talking to you and you cannot for the life of you remember their name what do you do and so then having to introduce them to your friend gets really tricky Well, my little get out of jail free card with that is I'll say to my friend, if I see someone coming over. Yeah, but sometimes you don't have time to do that. Sometimes they creep up on you. (laughs) And it's like, introduce yourself so that they can tell you their name. But sometimes they don't. Like, for instance, Trent will be like, hi, my name's Trent. And they'll be like, nice to meet you, Trent. And it's like, oh God, we both have no idea. 
how do you get yourself out of these situations? I'm really open about stuff like that. I always say, I'm so sorry, I've forgotten your name. Okay. And it comes up for me a lot um, when I'm running events and even yoga classes because you get the same faces all the time. And I'm usually pretty good with names, but there's a big turnover of people. Of course there is. And I'll always remember someone's face, but I just I just can't remember people's names, especially if I'm not in conversation with them, if I'm yes. just marking them off an attendance list. Yes. So I always say... If I see them out in the street, say, or like yesterday, for example, I went into a store and one of the girls working in the store was a a yoga student of mine. Couldn't remember her for the life of me, but there was this recognition for both of us. So I said, oh, God, hi, so nice to see you. I haven't seen you in yoga for a while, you know, so she knew that there was a recognition. It's worse when you act like you don't know the person. No, and I I hate it when people do it to me. I've had it happen to me a lot, especially when you go to lots of networking events and you, people have met you a thousand times and through a thousand different portals as well. You know, like some people are like, um, they might know you very well on social media or I've got, you know, people that I've met through different circles of people. And it's like, no, you definitely know who I am. Yeah. And if you forget my name or you forget how we know each other, that's okay. But be friendly or just like the premise of this conversation, be polite, smile, wave, nod. Doesn't mean you have to come over and have a full-blown convo with me if that's going to be awkward. You know what I think it is? I think a lot of people, it's an insecurity thing. I think people are scared of rejection. And if they, if they come out and be um, open about recognizing you and then you don't recognize them, then they feel rejected. So it's a power move to pretend like nobody's met anyone before. I'd just rather not go there than risk a pie in the face. Yeah. Mm. It's funny though, the social media thing, isn't it? When you interact with an account a lot online and then you see them in the flesh, it happens to me all the time up here. People will be interacting with me on Instagram and then I'll see them in a cafe and I'll smile at them because I know exactly who they are and they know exactly who I am and they freak out and just, you know, like glaze eye over me. I think it's the rejection piece, isn't it? And I know I've done that in the past where I've really admired someone online and I've sent them a message or two before and commented on their things and then seen them out and just absolutely being terrified to go and introduce myself. Yeah. But I've got to tell you, Jord, when you're on the receiving end of that, it's actually quite nice when someone comes up and is like, by the way, I just want to say, you know, I've commented on a few of the things we've chatted a couple of times on social. I wanted to introduce myself. Yeah. So polite. So polite. Right. What about, let's talk about social media etiquette because there's so many unspoken rules around like do you slide into someone's dms if someone's accounts on private and you're not actually their friend do you request to follow what are some of your pet peeves on social media when it comes to etiquette oh (laughs) i have so many i just want to get off social media um i think it's the energy of entitlement Mm. and i i know that holly and i are coming from a place of having public profiles on on social so it's a little bit different But some of the DMs I get with questions, requests, demands that have no hi, hello, how are you, no introduction of who they are, no um, uh, adornments, I like to call them, and just come out and demand information from me, it it destroys me. Like I cannot handle it. Yeah, it's rude. Yeah, uh, we both receive plenty of just socially rude. You would never just go up to a random person in the street that 
you know, you think you know, but they've never met you and go, when are you going to give me this? And that's That's the energy of it. That's the energy of it. And I think, you know, like I don't mind people, I don't mind people messaging me on Instagram, um, you know, like to, I was going to say, to compliment me. I love like, that. To say, you know, like to have a conversation with me, that's fine. I can't always write back. Like there, there is sometimes, you know, hundreds of unread messages. I just don't yeah. have the time to do it. But it's when it's asking personal questions, which really should be a mentoring session or some sort of program of mine that they yes. should be taking part in. Yes. Asking for, um, asking for a special, um, like asking for um, special circumstances. Like I, I know you probably don't usually do this, but I'm really this and I'm really that and I really need this from Entitled, you. entitled, entitled. Yeah, it's it's very hard because, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I want to, I want to give and I want to help and I have to actually set up boundaries. Otherwise, I would spend 24-7 on social yeah. counselling people and giving them private mentoring sessions. Well, that's the other piece of it, George, isn't it? And I know we both received this as well, is the energetic dumping of psychological challenges that people are having that we are not in any way able to hold. And with social, once you click a message and you've read it, that energy from that other person is dumped on you because you're not preparing yourself for whatever is on the other end. Mm. And then there's this piece around, do you leave a message on scene? Like that's the big thing. Oh, they left me on scene. They read my message and they didn't reply and insert what that means about a person. But I don't think a lot of the time when people are whether they're consciously or subconsciously, unconsciously dumping their energy, they're not realizing how that actually feels to receive it on the other end. It's this energetic dumping. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. Mm. It's tough. How about when we're talking about phones, when you're on your phone in a social situation in real life? Like I know for me when I'm catching up with a friend that I haven't seen in a long time, I will put my phone on flight mode at the dinner table and keep it in my bag, you know. There's just those little things as well. But that said, I am equally as guilty on the other end if I go to a networking event and there's no one there that I'm really vibing with. I'll pull my phone out almost like as a shield, you know. Yeah, I think that's okay. Like I think that's fine. I I used to be really bad with being on my phone in social situations and I think it is a safety net, but I will, I'll keep it in my bag or I will say to the people at the table, is it okay if I have my phone on the table? I'm just waiting for a call or an email or something. So there's recognition of it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that this whole idea of our phones being connected to something other than the connection we're having at the time yeah. is scary because it's one foot out the door at all times. You're looking for something better. It's yeah. like when you're in an event with a person and they're talking to you but you catch their eyes wandering behind you. Like, it kills me. It kills me. It's soul-destroying. It happens more often than you think. All the time. They're looking for a better option I or an out. I can't handle it. I know. I know. I'm so conscious of where my eye contact is when I'm talking to someone. Yes. I get weird with eye contact sometimes, though. But it's just because I'm shy in awkward situations. But you don't have to look them directly in the eyes. No. But it's not looking away. It's not looking around, like literally blatantly obvious, looking for a better option. It happens all the time. I know. I hate it. I hate it. So what about <laughs> have you ever read the book How to Win Friends and, in, and Influence People by Dale Carnegie? I have. It used to be my ex-boyfriend's like um, mantra. Yeah. He used to just give it to me all the time whenever I had any whinge about any social situation. He's like, here's where you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Well, something that really stuck with me from that read, George, is 
listening without needing to talk back. Yes. So this concept of holding space for people without having to give advice unsolicited or, and we've spoken about how annoying that can be at times, or also without having to be, oh, yeah, this happened to me and this is how I know. Now, it's a way that we think is connecting, but sometimes people just want you to be quiet and Mm. to hold space. Mm. So what I've started to do, especially if a friend is going through a hard time, is I say to them, I'm just going to listen, and if you want me to speak, let me know, but I'm just going to hold space for you to listen to me. I think it's so important. Yeah, it's like that energy of someone's waiting to say something, not actually to take in the information. You you hear it all the time on um, podcasts, actually, with interviewers yes. who are not listening to the guest and they're just waiting to say the next question. It's so and true. It's like, but hang on, there's so many things you could ask off the back of what they just told you. And they're going off their list of questions instead. Yeah, it's the same in real life, right? It That's happens in dating so a lot. You know, you'll be on a date and someone asks you a question and you give them the answer and then they don't take from the information you've given them. They just go off the next question they want to ask or how they can relate it to themselves. It's like basic rules of conversing. Yeah. I think we've lost that because we are so conversational over the screens through the messaging and the texting and the comments that actually having an engaged in-person conversation is hard. Yeah. It's hard for people. Yeah, not if you're a double Gemini, it's not. Definitely not if you're a double air. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, Jord, what are some takeaways do you think that we can all start to become more conscious of when it comes to how we're showing up? Um, look, I think treat people the way that you want to be treated, first and foremost. Um, when it comes to social media etiquette, remember that whoever you're talking to is actually a real person and not an account. So true. I I get questions a lot that are being – it's almost like they think – I don't know who they think are reading them, but they don't think it's me. No. And even commenting on – in uh, commenting on photos in the newsfeed, it's like, do you realize I'm going to read this, right? Like, who do you think posted this? Totally. It's very strange. So also just having some awareness around that. Yeah. Having awareness around the fact that if you send a DM to somebody at 10 p.m. at night, they'll probably read it because they're on their phone. But that does not mean that they have to reply to you. Yeah. If you send a DM full stop, 10 o'clock at night or not, if you send a DM full stop, that does not entitle you to reply. No. Here's the other thing with um, social media conversing that I think is really important when you're conversing with a business account. I'll often get people um, send me an email about, something, whether it's um, a membership account or something to do, something admin-y, and I haven't replied because it's nighttime and I don't check my emails. So they DM me on Instagram knowing that I'll see it, and that is so rude. Full stop. So rude. Full stop. (laughs) Or hi in the comments, hi, I've sent you a DM. Can you please check it in the comments of your photos? It's like, I I, under, I absolutely understand that and I would check it in my own time, not when you demand it from me. Mm. And this is that piece around hyper-availability. People expect that other people will be as available as they tend to be at all times. And I know for you and I, Jord, we are so fierce with our boundaries around our energy that this hyper-availability thing, I mean, I haven't been on my emails in a week. I'm a little bit, oh, I should probably jump on. But I've got my out-of-office If it's urgent, I will get to it. And I think that's the other piece. I know we're going to wrap it up, but I'm on a roll here. Just because you define something as urgent doesn't mean the other person sees it that way. And that's just a fact of life. 
<laughs> my friend um, Katie Graham, who's also an expert on Make It Happen 2020, she's got a really good rule for email etiquette mm. because I used to be the kind of person who would reply straight away so it, so it didn't get lost in my inbox. Mm. But I found that really hard to keep up with. But I still like the etiquette of knowing that something's being received. Yes. And I'm talking more about like when I'm dealing with copyright clients or my publisher or someone like that where I will write back straight away, but it will be, thank you, I've received your email, Um, I'm just going to take a few days to sit with this and I'll get back to you. It's the same idea of I'm running 10 minutes late. I love it. Yeah, you know? I have that an auto response in my email that's the same. Your email has been lovingly received, so you don't get the follow-up emails. Yeah. Uh, this is a quiet inbox. It takes about two to three days for me to reply. If it's more urgent, you'll hear from me soon. So it's just creating those boundaries as well. Yeah, I think it's important. Mm, cool. So, Jord, what are you recommending for us this Oh, my God, I said recommending? What's your record for this week? Um, good question. My reco for this week is a book. It's a non-fiction book, which I never read, but, um, I had, again, an interview that I did with Nikki Gonda for Make It Happen 2020. This isn't a plug, I swear. And, um, we were talking about, uh, tracking your cycle and, and starting to have a look at your fertility in a really natural way. Cool. And she said to me, um, I think you should get the book. Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony um, Weschler. Ooh. It's a very, 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 very thick book. It looks like an encyclopedia. Yeah. It's a reference book, I guess, more than a nonfiction book. But um, Tony explains the fertility awareness method. Ah, great. I've heard about this. Which is a really, really, really great uh, method to track your reproductive health, to um, work as contraception so that you can see exactly when you're ovulating. Um, and also, I guess if you're trying to fall pregnant, yeah. yeah. Does it have activities in it, or recipes, or fun things like that? No, there's no, <laughs> there's no recipes. But there is. Um, she basically she has charts in there, and it looks very involved mm. the charting process. But once you get into the rhythm of it, and it's look, it's about taking your basal body temperature and charging, uh, charting your cervical mucus mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. But once you start to get into a rhythm of it. And you start to know, I think you'd be able to uh, use the charts less. I just found it really interesting because I think for so long I've relied on other things like apps Mm. to help me track my cycle, Mm. which is fine and they're very helpful, but this just empowered me to like really understand what was going on with my body at all times. It's the knowledge piece, right? Yeah. So there are no questions and it's like, okay, this is what's happening and when. Mm. Mm. I'm also a big advocate of educating yourself on stuff before there's a problem. So obviously I'm not trying to fall pregnant at the moment, but I'm just want to be very aware of where my fertility sits by the time I want to try so that I don't get there and go, oh, okay, I better be working on that fertility awareness method now. It's the conscious preconception piece, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm not trying yet, but I'm going to do everything that I can so that when I'm ready, I'm good to go. Yeah. And as best I can. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So that's my record. What's your record? Well, guys, 
I've found a way of moving my body that has changed my life. <laughs> so you guys will know if you're longtime listeners of the potty that I've had this, you know, really challenged relationship with exercise and I've always thrived on high intensity, uh, but my adrenals just cannot cut it. And I've had all of my friends be like, get into reformer Pilates. You'll love reformer Pilates. And I know we're quite similar, Jord. It's like if someone tells me to do something, I'm not going to do it because I want to figure it out myself. So I figured it out and I love reformer Pilates. Speak for yourself. That does not define me at all. Okay, sure. it's only me. I'm like, don't tell me what to do, but also great idea. I'm going to do it in my own time. <laughs> so this reformer Pilates studio opened down the road from my house, literally like five houses down. I had no excuse but to try it. And I am in love with this way of moving, Jord. What I love about Reformer, and I've done Matt Pilates before, what I love about Reformer is it feels a little gentler for me because you can adjust the weights depending on where you're at. And something that my naturopath, Kate, mentioned to me when I started training, because I tend to go hard or go home, is, Holly, you don't have to be the best in the class. You don't have to push yourself to breaking point. Adjust the weights depending on what your energy can handle in any moment. So it's that adjustable form of exercise that... I can adapt depending on to where my energy's at. So I really love Reformer for a number of reasons. My posture has changed significantly in only three months of practicing. And I am someone who has shocking posture, not just from working at a computer, but because I'm bigger busted, I'm constantly crouched. And Trent mentioned it the other day, is that whole, I have not noticed you crouching. So posture, it's been a win. I'm quite weak in my upper body and I've noticed my strength shift and I love feeling strong. Mm. So in terms of upper body strength, it's been great to support something that I like. My friend Em is always like, Holly, you've never had good upper body strength. And so I feel like I'm getting there. But also it almost incorporates an element of dance because there's that flexibility and there's lots of stretching and it's just a very, it almost feels like a nurturing way to move. So that's my record, Jord. No particular studio. I love my studio, the Spring Collective, um, but there are so many. They're, they're everywhere. There's so many. And yes, I was going to repeat you, which I do often <laughs> They're everywhere. Um, yeah, Reformer's beautiful. I, I'm really looking forward to starting Reformer again. I actually teach yoga at a Reformer studio, but yeah. as a teacher, we can never get a spot in the classes. So of course. there's a new studio opening up here in March. So I'm very excited about it. It's one of those mind-body-soul practices, right? So give it a go, gals and guys and guys. A lot of guys do Reformer Pilates. Yeah, we yeah. have a few guys in our classes. Well, beautiful um, – Henry Nicholson from Survivor, who got booted last oh night. Oh, my God, he's so, he's so hot. hot. He does reformer Pilates. Oh, can we talk about him for a second? Yeah. He's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I made Holly watch Survivor last night. Oh. And um, so we're, we're recording this on the Wednesday before you're listening to it. Yeah. Because Holly's still in Byron. Yeah. And um, Henry Nicholson, if anyone watches, he's the guy that pretended he was a yoga teacher in season three, I think. And he, his body is just so incredible. I'm not one to swoon. I, I lie. I swoon all the time. But there's just something about that man. Yeah. It was like he was so buff but lean and those blue eyes. Oh, I just... And he was clever. He, he got booted last night. Yeah. But he went out with a bang. Yeah, yeah. He's clever. But also he's very conniving. 
Yeah, but I'm okay with that because there is that cleverness to it. If any of you are friends of friends of his, can you please find out his natal chart? Because we were trying to guess and we tried to stalk and it just didn't We went work. deep and we couldn't find anything. Let us know. And we also DM'd Abby and asked her natal chart as well. Did yeah. she reply? No. Okay. So if you guys know Abby from last season of Batch, we think that she – well, she is Gemini, but we're thinking she's Leo rising and probably a Scorpio moon. You heard it here first, but we could be wrong. All right, so I threw you off a little bit in the intro by saying he's from the 90s. I mean, he is, but he's also loved to this day. Oh. Guess that celebrity natal chart, Will Smith. Oh, good one. Okay. Mm. Really, really, really. Um, Fresh Prince. I love him so much. Um, Okay, I'm sensing there is a fire placement. Not in his main three. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, has he got a Libran placement? He does. Yeah. Um, Libra rising? No. Libra moon? No. Oh, <laughs> Libra sun. <laughs> He's a Libran. <laughs> um... I'm sensing some earth in there as well. Not in his main three. Wow. Yeah. Gemini moon? No. Gemini rising? Yeah. Double air. Okay. And a Sagi moon? Mm-mm. Aries moon? Mm-mm. Well, there's no fire, is there? No. Triple air? No. Oh, Scorpio moon? Yeah. Wow. So he is a Libra sun, Scorpio moon, Gemini rising. Wow. I think I get along with him quite well. Yeah. 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 You can tell he's Libran, right? Because And and that he's double air because he's a communicator. And the Libran-Gemini combination, I feel you really can see like multiple sides of any story. Yeah, but I also he's so performative that mm. it really surprises me that there's no fire. Is his Mercury fire? I'm trying to find the full chart. Uh, he's got, no, 3.1% of his chart is fire. That's what the pie graph says. Uh, his Mercury's in Libran as well. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I guess what we need to think about with natal charts as well, and we had this chat the other day, is when people say, oh, what about but twins have the same natal chart and then they have totally different personalities? It's like, yeah, because they also have different experiences of life. Yeah, they're different people. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, go Will Smith. Go Will. We love you. All right, Holly, it's your turn to have a whinge. What are you whinging about this week? Do you know what I realised? We didn't plan this, but it's very in line with our opening convo around etiquette. Mm. And I just need a precursor this to say that it's not going to get everyone's bee in a bonnet. Is that the same? Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to get everyone's bee in a bonnet, but if your Mercury is in Virgo like me or you have heavy Virgo placements, it will. And that is the incorrect spelling of my name. Yeah, and I'm with you, 100%. Now, it's not that if I go to Boost Juice, (laughs) 
because I go to Boost Juice all the time, for instance, or Starbucks, which I also frequent, not, uh, and they say, what's your name? And I say, Holly, and I don't tell them that it's spelt with an IE. Of course, they're going to spell it with a Y. It's just a given. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are people who are wanting to do work with you, business with you, people who are connect with you on social, be it Facebook or Instagram, so they see the way your name is spelled. And I cannot tell you how many times, Jord, it's I'm I receive that I'm Holly with a Y. And it's never my last name that's spelled incorrectly. Because people are like, oh, as a party, that's a mouthful, better double check. But then with the first name, it's just this this oversight. And I'm happy to bite my tongue from time to time, but it is at the point where especially when I'm getting approached by people to work with them, they haven't made the effort. And that's what it feels like for me. They haven't made the effort to double check because Holly with a Y is not me. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think people who have difficult to spell names or not even difficult to spell, but just like differently spelled names will agree when it's spelled it feels like, oh, Holly, it's just a Y over an IE, get over it. But I'm not Holly with a Y. <laughs> no, and I think the other thing is, because the same thing happens to me, I've got two N's in my name, but I also get called Jordan a lot, which is absolutely not my name. It's like calling me Lisa, but yeah. like, it's not my name. Yeah. So That's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, but I think that you and I, um, aside from having a lot of Virgo in our charts, it's the fact that because it's been an issue for us, we're very careful that we get people's names right. And if I, if I, um, it happens a lot on social because of autocorrect. Yeah. Uh, if I've sent it and it's Holly with a Y, say, I'll write another message and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I've spelt your name wrong. Yeah. To recognize that I know I don't just leave it and go. I think that that's what it is. I think people who experience this will get it and people who don't experience will be like, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Names are such a funny thing though because they define you. And like, this is going to be a little bit controversial, but I've really noticed lately, like, my, my name is Jordana. And my, my very close friends and my family call me Geordie and Jords. Anyone outside of family and friends calling me Jords yeah. or Jord yeah. or Geordie feels way too familiar. Yeah. And I'm really not comfortable with it. Interesting. And it's funny because, you know, you call me Jords a lot on the potty because we're very, very, very close friends. Um, and if you've done this, please, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone because no. it's like, it's totally fine. But when people I never have never met yeah. contact me and call me George, yeah. even if it's just a comment in a social caption, it feels way too familiar. I get it. Do you understand? I get it. When people call me hole or holes, I, I do tend to feel the same. Uh, we have to have had some kind of like intimate exchange for me to feel comfortable with that. Yeah. I, I do think the people pleaser in me though doesn't really call it out because I'm like, oh, they're just being familiar. But do you know what I actually do, Jordan? I've always done it. I'm notorious for giving people nicknames. Like if I meet someone who's Catherine and I go to call her Kath, I will always say, is it okay if I call you Kath? What name are you comfortable with? Because I understand how it feels on the receiving end. And I think that that's something, I guess we're back at the etiquette chat, isn't it? Yeah. If you're going to give someone a nickname or call them by a shortened version, make sure they're okay with it. Do you know who actually has had this experience as well? Our mutual friend, Genoa. He used to be called Joe and Joey growing up because Genoa was a mouthful. And it wasn't until he got a bit older that he's like, no, actually, that's not my name. My name is Genoa Mm. and call me that. And I appreciate that because 
the reason that I was named Holly with an IE is my numerolo- numerology charts. Like my mum got my charts out when I was born and I and E gave me some lines that Y didn't. Same, that's why I've got two N's. See, and it's so energetically and vibrationally, our name actually matters. Guys, this is why I haven't changed my surname to Houlihan as well. Like I think we can be flippant with names, but they actually matter. It's 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 like our brand. It's how we show up in the world. Well, and and that's the other thing. Like it's it it is your identity, and I think especially when there's blurry lines between business profile and personal profile, it's like no. Jordana Levine is my brand. Like it's my name. Yeah. It's my brand name. So. Yeah. It gets really uncomfortable when people start calling me George, Jordy, or Jordan. Or Jordan. (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally get it. That's a good weekly whinge. Yeah, thanks. And I mean, it's to each their own, and I probably annoyed people by saying it, but I'm practicing this thing this year, Jord, where I just say what I think more. No, it's good. It's good. And like I said, if if anyone out there has called either of us Holes or Jords, it's totally fine. Yeah. Like it's absolutely fine. No judgment whatsoever. But it's just. Yeah, it's just an interesting it's just an interesting thing to know. And I'm very conscious of it. Like um like you said, like when you meet someone called Catherine and you call them Kath, because I'm the first one to shorten a name. Totally me but too. But you've got to make sure they're comfortable with it. That's it. It's the asking for permission piece and not assuming. The other thing I'll do, which is interesting, like a lot of the time it happens when um people email you like people from like a, a PR company or something, I see the way that they sign the email off. So sometimes their name might be Janet, but they sign off Jan. And so I'll say, hey, Jan. Totally. I greet them the way they sign themselves off. That's a really good point. If I have chosen to call myself whole in a caption or in an email, then of course call me whole back, you know? Yeah. I I just feel weird about whole though. Like even my friends that call me whole, I'm like, no, 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 it's holes or holly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I call you whole. Yeah, you, you actually do. Yeah. Do you know why it is? It's only my really, really close friends. You, Leah, Katie, only only call me Hull. You guys are the only people yeah, who do. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Hull's doesn't sound right to me. Hull's is like fun, flirty, fresh. Hull is like deep, intimate. It's so funny <laughs> nicknames though, isn't it? Because it's like... How is it, like, that much harder to add an extra syllable? Like, are we that lazy? Yeah, I'm lazy and I'm such Holy. a fan. Holy. <laughs> um, no, I, I do like holes. I don't know. It's very confusing. It depends on the situation. And the person, right? It, de- it actually does, George. It depends on the person and it depends on the context. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's so weird now that I think about it. Sometimes I'm so happy if a stranger calls me holes. I'm like, ah, oh, familiar. And other times I'm like, that penetrated my heart aura in a yeah. bad way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. Actually, I had this situation the other day. A friend of mine's dating a new guy. She always speaks about me as George, so he always calls me George, which is fine. But we were out in a gathering the other day, and he was introducing me to a bunch of his friends, mm. and he'd be like, oh, hey, this is George. Like, that's my full name. And it's like, oh, no, I'm Jordana. Yeah, but then I'm that Jordan. feels weird. You know what I mean? You know, you can't so interrupt. Funny. It's too far gone. Yeah. So Leah, her nickname in high school was Lou. Okay. But I, even her Instagram name is Lou Pittman. Yeah. I have never called her Lou in my life. So I, I call my dog Lou, like Lola Lou, but I've never called Leah Lou. And then one of my our friends met Leah and then started referring to her as Lou. And I was like, 
no, her name is Leah. We do not call her that. Like, it's so <laughs> weird. Oh, names are wild. I'd love to hear from the listeners about this and their yeah. name experiences because I do think it's a really personal thing. Totally. And I think that's why there's so much pressure when you're naming a child. Like, I've often thought about it. I'm like, how am I going to commit to that? Oh, absolutely. Because it will define them for the rest of their life. My dad took it so serious. So my mum wanted to call me India and... My mum wanted to call me India. I'm not joking. And my dad wouldn't let her. Shut up. Are you going to say the same thing? No, that is my dad. Do you know why my dad said no? Because people would be like, get it, India. (laughs) I don't think that was Was that your dad's reason for not calling you? I can't believe that. Are we meant to adopt a mutual child? (laughs) Absolutely not. I would not raise a child with you. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Connect with us on social, but make sure you've got some etiquette about your jokes. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast or find our group on Facebook. Just search The Middle Podcast Show. You can sign up to our newsletter list by a number of ways. Jump in the show notes or jump on the link in our bio on Insta for bonus recos into your inbox every on the flip side. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.